Welcome to Making Shapes, a podcast about making the connections between art and wellness. I am your host, Kit, and I'm very happy to have you here for a listen. A sad follow-up. So a couple of days ago, or a few days ago, actually, I posted my very first podcast, and it was about seasonal affective disorder. And oddly enough, less than 24 hours later, I was checking out my socials and saw a posting that said that it's not sad, it's capitalism. And that struck a hella loud chord with me. If you read my Substack newsletter, then you know that I just posted about my own experience with burnout. And reading this piece made everything, my understanding of sad and of my own burnout, have this amazing, beautiful moment of coalescence. It's a good read, and I'll post a link in the show notes, but right now, here is an excerpt. As plants, microbes, and non-human animals are preparing, priming, and gearing up for the winter, humans continue to toil away at work. As non-human animals adapt to environmental stressors, many humans continue to over-deliver to meet their institution, company, or job's performance or productivity goals. We're told to work through our pain and separate our work life from our personal life by pretending our communal or personal crises, health issues, or stressors don't exist. As all other beings drastically shift their behaviors to adopt to winter, Humans continue to multitask without slowing down to step away from capitalism's hyper-accelerated pace, a fabricated pace dictated by the constant greed of the rich. The concept of work hard, play hard is glorified instead of work less, play and rest more. It may be a shocking realization, but we are, in fact, animals with basic physiological needs. And when society is designed to fail to meet those needs, there are consequences. Our bodies must adapt to environmental shifts constantly by detecting and responding to stimuli to guide our behaviors. Instead, capitalism sets our schedule and shapes our lives around made-up concepts like the workplace or career goals in the long term. We do have biological clocks that circadian rhythms and environmental clocks like the sun, but we're socialized to ignore them. Time the way it is currently structured is a capitalist-slash-colonial construct. The nine-to-five grind and daylight savings are not laws of nature like the rising and falling of the sun and the oceans. Wow, right? I mean, let that marinate. (laughs) And if you're interested in reading the full piece, again, I will post the link in the show notes. It's pretty cool. Um, You know, let it sink in and share what your thoughts are. I'm totally here for it. And now on to our regular programming. Is having gratitude the same as being thankful? In a nutshell, no. And it's not just an issue of semantics either. Gratitude, from what I've read, and can be disputed because I've read many different things, gratitude is an emotion and thankfulness is an action. But then I also read the opposite, that gratitude is an act and thankfulness is a state of being. Still with me? Yeah, I hope so, because I'll be honest, this took a hot second for me to wrap my head around. Words are so wrapped up with each other sometimes that we can toss them around as if they're interchangeable. But thankful and grateful are not, even though I saw on Macmillan's dictionary that they were between being an adjective and a noun. Yeah, it can be a lot. So 
a couple of ways that you can actually differentiate. Um, like it's cool to have a gratitude practice, but unless you're Pollyanna, I've never heard of a thankful practice. So boom, there it is. That's an easy peasy way to understand the difference between grateful and thankful. A gratitude, I guess, implies that you have emotionally been affected by something. Thankful is an acknowledgement of something. You say thank you when you get a gift, when someone does something for you, and it doesn't have to have an impact on you outside of showcasing some good manners. Gratitude is supposed to be long-lasting and thankfulness supposedly is temporary. Gratitude is something we practice, like religion or monogamy. We have to think about it, make the effort, and remain consistent. The more you do it, the more it becomes a habit. Thanking someone is back to good manners, uh, unless it's a tone thing. You can say thank you in a certain tone, and it definitely does not mean what you said. (laughs) Um, It's all about the feedback, I guess. So gratitude can happen when someone does something nice for us and it makes us feel good. And then that feedback that we get can motivate us to continue the trend to do things for other people, pay it forward. Someone can also do something nice for us though. And we can respond with a thank you, but if the feedback, if that feel good sensation wasn't there, it's just a throwaway and we move on. Yeah, again, if you're still with me, good for you. This took a lot of trying to work myself back and forth between the concepts. A big thing that establishes gratitude as something different than thankfulness, there are so many studies. I mean, so much time and money has been spent researching the act of gratitude with humans and across the animal kingdom. Uh, So... Some examples that I was able to pull from the research of why having a gratitude practice is good for you is it makes us happy. It reduces anxiety and depression. It helps us sleep better. It lowers our blood pressure. It promotes forgiveness, allows us to be compassionate, and it increases our empathetic tendencies, which I love. It sounds awesome, right? I super love the empathy bit. But how do we bottle this up and make it ours for sure. Something that we are conscious of versus just being reactive to. So before I get too deep into recommended options, I'd like to drop a statement and say, you do not have to live a life of gratitude. You are still an amazing human if you do not want to practice gratitude. I get it, honestly. I think the whole thing can sometimes come across as slightly sanctimonious. Like telling everyone who doesn't ask you that you're a vegetarian at a barbecue cookout. But what's really cool about being human is a lot of us just can't help feeling and acting grateful. Researchers like Charles Darwin, bringing it way back when, have called our tendency to be grateful similar to what animals do, a universal emotion across all living creatures. And then other researchers claim it's more of a you groom me and I'll groom you scenario. An official term coined in 1971 called this type of behavior in the animal kingdom reciprocal altruism, a.k.a. reciprocity. And one of the more recent studies done in 2013 compared grateful behavior between capuchin monkeys and children. Not grateful between the monkeys and children, but them. You know what I mean? Gratefulness amongst the monkeys and gratefulness amongst children. 
And they noted that the children and the monkeys used something they called upstream reciprocity, aka something I said earlier, paying it forward. And they, monkeys and the children, did this to cultivate favors and favorability amongst their peers. Yeah, pretty interesting. So we do it because we like the feeling and we do it because we want people to like us. That's what they're saying. So we'll keep diving into some of this research. All right, what separates us from monkeys in terms of gratitude? And primarily it's language, rituals, and repetition. We can communicate via language our feelings and support this communication by creating a ritual around them. So essentially a practice. We can repeat this behavior in order to maintain the feel-good sensations being grateful doles out to us. Alrighty, so now we have some clues on how to make a plan of gratitude actions. Where do we begin? A couple of suggestions, okay, more than a couple, like a lot of suggestions are out there when you're reading about gratitude practice, how to cultivate a practice, how to start a gratitude practice, etc., etc. There's a lot of information. I put many links in the show notes. Um, And you can also do a general Google search and find some really cool stuff. But the number one suggestion that continuously pops up is the act of journaling. So I don't really enjoy journaling. I've tried, but maybe it's my ADHD. Maybe it's just me. I think keeping a journal is boring. But I do like to keep a sketchbook. And I had a couple of art classes in college where your sketchbook was part of your grade. So I became a pretty regular contributor to mine. Uh, I guess it's all about perspective, right? Sketchbook, journal, diary, you know, maybe they're all the same thing, maybe not. An artist known for keeping a fantastic sketchbook or sketchbooks, um, and it's actually often described as closer to being a diary, is Frida Kahlo. If you are unfamiliar with Frida Kahlo, she was a 20th century North American surrealist artist in denial. And I say in denial because surrealism originated in Europe and she, uh, even though she was accepted in the European art scene, she just didn't feel like she was part of them. But if you look at a lot of her work and you look at the general description of what surrealism is, she kind of does fall into that. So I'm going to stick with the general consensus for now until I do a deeper dive into Frida herself um, and call her. Uh, 20th century North American surrealist artist. And she's mostly known for her self-portraits, which were colorful and thought-provoking and often inspired by Mexican folk art. And her paintings usually were biographical, which is implied by the idea of a portrait, but biographical where she included imagery that was very important as a way to recall her history. Um, I highly encourage everyone to check out her art, her murals. Um, She is a narrative artist. Um, I I really enjoy her work. And I think everyone else should check her out beyond seeing her image on Barnes and Noble, like journals themselves. The irony. Um, All right. So during the early days of the still very active pandemic, the Museo Dolores Omido made images from some of Frida Kahlo's sketchbooks slash diaries slash journals available to Google Arts and Culture Collection. 
Um, a link is in the show notes, of course. And here's a quote by the author, Carlos Fuentes, describing her sketchbooks, which he refers to as diary. So I'll, I'll get that out there. And quote, the diary is her lifeline to the world. When she saw herself, she painted, and she painted because she was alone and she was the subject she knew best. But when she saw the world, she wrote, paradoxically, her diary, a painted diary, which makes us realize that no matter how interior her work was, it was always uncannily close to the proximate, material world of animals, fruits, plants, earths, skies. Now, to me, that sounds like my kind of gratitude journal. Looking through some of the pages on the website, her work is childlike, detailed, focused, and whimsical. There is a freedom to what she put down on those pages. And the last frame on the website gallery even has a sentence that I think sums up her four-way, foray, foray, her journey, we'll say journey, <laughs> into a gratitude practice. But first, let's do a little bit more history on Frida, specifically about her health. She had polio as a child that caused chronic discomfort throughout her life in her right leg. When she was 18, she was in a bus accident where her bus collided with a streetcar and she was impaled through her pelvis with a metal handrail. She dealt with extreme pain on a daily basis, wearing plaster corsets to try and reduce the effects of her cumulative injuries and use painting as a way to cope emotionally, along with alcohol and strong prescriptions, as one does when you have been impaled. And in 1953, her right leg had to be amputated. So reading her very famous quote, pulled posthumously from one of her diaries, that says, feet, what do I need you for when I have wings to fly? After doing my own research on gratitude, I just felt like this, ah, my head is exploding in conceptual understanding then and now. I mean, I get it. Beyond it being a cool quote, I get what she was saying. And I feel like it just really meets the requirements of what having a gratitude practice can be. So to reiterate, maybe not. I mean, I didn't really say this before. But if you aren't into journaling, but then maybe kind of are, but you didn't realize it, I hope this short trek into Frida's world offers some inspiration. Other options I read about that intrigued me were intention setting, teaching kids about gratitude, recognizing positive things throughout your day, as well as this next one that seems a little bit on the pessimistic side, and that is to think about your own mortality. Many, many artists are known for being focused on the idea of death. Uh, a very famous person, Edgar Allan Poe, with his poetry, comes to mind immediately. Uh, I read a lot about death with Edgar Allan Poe, but an example I think is more relevant and truly embraces the aspects of gratitude that we, me, maybe you want to practice is a 2011 public art piece by Candy Chang titled Before I Die. The description on her website, link below in the show notes, of course, says, before I die, reimagines how the walls of our cities can help us grapple with mortality and meaning as a community today. After the death of someone she loved, Chang painted an abandoned house in her New Orleans neighborhood 
with chalkboard paint and stenciled the prompt, before I die, I want to blank, to restore perspective and find consolation with her neighbors. Anyone walking by could pick up a piece of chalk, reflect on death and life, and share their personal aspirations in public. So if you look at the house in the photos, it can appear confrontational, but almost in a kind and loving way. Like it clearly looks abandoned um, with the boarded windows, etc. Um, I keep saying etc. Sorry, but the chalkboard paints the black with the colorful writing and these like beautiful pastels. Um, it's cute, right? It makes me feel like it's a safe space, maybe because of the aesthetics, but also definitely because of the intention. And I wonder if this feeling that I have could be considered a product of reciprocity. So paying it forward by sharing my experience with this piece um, spreads the message that the artist is trying to convey. Um, It made me feel good, and I hope it makes other people feel good. That being said, uh, yeah, I can 100% attest to thinking about your own mortality as being a very productive way of initiating a gratitude practice. Unfortunately or fortunately, my recent experiences with being slapped in the face with my own mortality, as well as the rest of the world, because these three years or these past three years have not been uh, a cakewalk, um, you know, it, it led me to understand that I have actually started practicing gratitude. However, My form of a gratitude practice is slightly different, um, and it's different than what I've read about with a lot of the research. I am a physical or physically active person, and I've spent a lot of time incorporating breath work and mindfulness to be a presence in my body when I am moving. There are a lot of quotes that are familiar with many movement professionals, like movement is nutrition for the body. Uh, move it or lose it. (laughs) Kindness is movement. Be kind to your body. Many of those statements. Um, And I have come to understand in these past three years with a lot of the things that I've seen with the people that I have trained uh, in my own personal life that when you move, it is a way to honor yourself and it is a way to appreciate what your body is capable of doing. So I would like to offer as another option Um, as a way of setting a gratitude practice that you can follow is understanding that the movement that you do, the exercises that you do, you are practicing gratitude for yourself, for others around you, for your capabilities, and for what you are honoring in that movement. And whatever you're honoring is up to you. But yes, I truly believe that movement is a way to practice gratitude. In conclusion, there is no conclusion. Because if you still look up what is the difference between being grateful and being thankful, none of it is clear. So this is just my approach to understanding the differences and how to make them a more regular uh, state of being in your daily life. Being grateful does not mean that you have to give up being angry about all the things. I had to drop that in there because sometimes I think folks believe that in order to be grateful, you have to be someone who is above things. And I'm not. In fact, I'm fully ready to bring on the rage when it comes to why Thanksgiving is a hot mess of cultural erasure. But I will also take this day as a reminder 
of what the prompt is and hopefully get people to get curious and perhaps get motivated to exercise their own gratitude muscles, however they want to do it. Because as I said before, human beings sometimes just can't help themselves. Thank you for listening to me. I am grateful for the audience. See what I did there? To support the continued works of this podcast, please check out my PilatesDojo.com site and consider taking a virtual movement class with me or peruse my shop. Consider subscribing to one of my two Substacks. Check out my Society6 and Teespring shops. There's a lot of things that you can look at. Again, I have put down many of the links I use for research. Um, I've also put down a podcast link to uh, Not Past It, which has a pretty good Thanksgiving episode called Oklahoma is Not Okay. Well worth a listen. And until next time, friends, ciao. I don't know why I said ciao. Maybe I might be a thing. Anyway, until next time. Mm-hmm.